Hello and welcome to this Endo Life episode 74. I'm Jessica Duffin and this podcast is all about living and thriving with endometriosis. Hi guys, I hope you are all feeling well this week and you know your symptoms are giving you a bit of a break or perhaps some of the um, information in this episode, in this podcast has helped you get um, some of them under control. I just wanted to let you know that if you are struggling at the moment with your symptoms, then I have a free Facebook challenge. It's a month long throughout the month of July and you can join at any time and just go back. I've tagged the challenges so you can go back and, and do them at your own pace and it's really simple um straightforward and it's you're not diving in the deep end I'm starting you off slowly with managing your symptoms so if you are interested the link to that is in my show notes and if you just want to search it it's um a private Facebook group called owning this endo life challenge um so yeah if you just request access I will accept you within 24 hours and I can't wait to meet you in there. Before we get started, I just want to give a shout out to BU. BU are the makers of, you guys know it already, my favourite period patches or like the only ones. Are they the only ones? I need to ask them. I have no idea if they're the only people who make this stuff. Um, but the BU period patches are incredible. I use them. I use them a lot at the moment because of my interstitial cystitis that I'm trying to manage, but um, it's just given me pain for unknown reasons. Um, so these patches stick onto your abdomen like a plaster and they release eucalyptus and menthol essential oils um, through your skin and into the abdomen area. And that actually eases the cramping and the pain. They last for 12 hours and they kick in, I would say, about 20 minutes. After about 20 minutes, um, I know so many people who have said that they now use these patches instead of painkillers or they're the only things that have worked. Like, honestly, the, the amount of people who have said that to me, like, I've actually found it quite surprising. Um, so, yeah. They're incredible. And BU actually have other products to help you manage your periods. So they have a whole CBD range, including CBD balm, CBD spray, CBD drops. And I use the CBD spray. Yeah, the spray. I've used all the balm. The balm's gone, um, which you would rub on to your abdomen. Um, and I use the spray at night under my tongue, um, as often as I can remember, I'm for some reason I'm not good at remembering, but it really helps me to sleep and I find it soothes my anxiety. So I use it for those reasons predominantly, um, especially as I don't have that much endo pain anymore. Um, but I know a lot of people are using the CBD range for their endometriosis pain. They also have a sleep mist, which I am loving. You guys know that I've got this ongoing sleep issue um and the sleep mist has been really helping me to kind of relax at night and get my brain to start to calm down and they also have a menstrual cup a menstrual cup wash and chafing cream and all of their products are made with organic natural ingredients they don't contain any toxins that are going to upset your endocrine system and you know affect your hormones cause estrogen dominance or you know all of that kind of stuff that we are trying to avoid. Um, so yeah, I love BU 
and I highly recommend checking them out. If you want to check them out, you can just go to the link in my show notes or go to their website, which is www.buonline.co.uk. So it's B-E-Y-O-U online.co.uk. This episode is also sponsored by my free guide, Managing Endometriosis Naturally. This guide is perfect for anyone just starting out on this journey of managing and reducing their symptoms. This 16-page guide takes you through the natural treatment options and holistic lifestyle changes that I made to begin reducing my symptoms. If you're feeling overwhelmed by which type of complementary therapy to choose from or you're a bit confused by the endometriosis diet, this guide could really help you to get a good overview and allow you to begin taking steps to feeling better. As always, this guide doesn't replace your medical treatment and it's not intended to treat or cure endometriosis but it does provide you with options that helped me to live well with endometriosis so you can begin experimenting or finding out what works for you. To download just head to the show notes and follow the link and you can get your free copy. So this episode is is probably going to surprise you a bit because the advice I'm going to share is just so super simple. Um, I was like thinking about ways to jazz it up and I was like no like (laughs) The whole point of this is that it's simple and accessible and it's just so essential. Um, And I think often we're looking for one thing that's going to like really change our symptoms. And I've done that like for most of my management of endometriosis, the first couple of years, I was trying to find um, a natural wonder drug. Essentially, I was looking for like a supplement or like the superfood and granted like turmeric um supplements or just turmeric in general ginger um the endo complex have been huge game changers for me um so in a way you could view them like that um but i think we tend to feel like a painkiller a hormone a supplement a superfood is going to be the answer. It's going to finally be the thing that's going to resolve our symptoms. Maybe not all of them, but, you know, a a high percentage of them. And I've noticed during my time as, like, studying as a women's health coach and actually since being, like, qualifying as one, that we really overlook the basics of health. And I think I did that as well until I started studying two years ago. And I just realized that the foundations of health is is really where we start from. And then we add on top, um, we add on those supplements, we add on those superfoods, but without the right structures, like the, the right foundation, the good sleep, the hydration, the good nutrition, those things are just, they're, they're going to do a fraction of the things that we want them to do. Um, and I think, you know, we can sometimes take this approach to endo, not, you know, not all the time. And I don't, this isn't about feeling guilty or bad for it. I don't feel guilty for the way that I managed endometriosis like a couple of years ago, trying to find this wonder superfood that was going to fix it all. Um, Because of course I was like, I was desperate. I was trying to find an answer, a natural answer. And I didn't have the health education that I have now. Um, so this isn't about judgment at all but I think one of the reasons why we do this is that firstly we believe it can't be that simple so because endometriosis is a really complex disease I think we often think that or we're made to think 
or we feel that the answer is probably complex and it just can't be that simple as foundational health changes. Secondly, we're told that there's no cure and our symptoms are kind of just lumped under this one umbrella of endo and we think we can't do anything about them. And I've noticed talking to some people um, recently that, and I heard this on a podcast, I wish I could remember, it wasn't in regards to endometriosis, I think it might have been SIBO, Um, no cure doesn't mean you can't feel better. And I think that awareness about endometriosis is so, so key, but as a result, we are constantly receiving media saying there's no cure, there's no cure, it's incurable. Um, and that word incurable, I mean, that's weighted. That's like incurable, what it can never be cured. Like we are never in the history of time going to find a cure. But if we say there's no cure, there's no cure yet. And we are not all of us and I think it's completely understandable that we make this assumption but I think we are made to feel that no cure means we can't feel better and we're often told by the doctors well you know there's nothing we can do for you for me for example I refused Zolodex. I knew that Zolodex was not the right path for me because I'd reacted to hormones so badly in the past and I had minimal endo. It made no sense for me to go on induced menopause at like, I don't know, I was 23, I think. Take on a whole host of other symptoms instead of endometriosis symptoms, potentially. I mean, endometriosis symptoms could have stayed um, for something that wasn't progressing rapidly at all. I just needed to find a way to reduce the symptoms. Um, I didn't need to stop my periods. And because I refused and I'd had, you know, two surgeries, um, granted the surgeries I had were pretty shabby, um, I was told there was nothing they could do for me. And I know that some of you listening right now have had the same experience and I know how heart-wrenching and just gutting and hopeless it feels when you leave the doctor's office and it's just like your your future feels really bleak because someone has told you someone in authority who you know I believed them back then that there was nothing that they could do and you are left thinking that that's the be on and end all that's the answer there is nothing that can be done And it's just simply not true, guys. It's not true. Don't ever let someone tell you that nothing can be done. Go to another expert. Go to someone, go to a naturopath. Go to, you know, just reach out, get resourceful. And it doesn't mean that your endometriosis is going to be cured or go into remission or that every symptom has disappeared. But don't let someone tell you that because they've tried you know, free options that there's nothing else that can be done. Anyway, I'm going off on a tangent. And uh, in relation to this, another thing that we discussed during my studies and that Jessica Drummond said um, is that no one thinks to check. So we go to the doctors and, you know, we have endometriosis and they give us hormonal birth control, for example, And they don't ask us about our basic health. They don't ask us about our sleep, 
how much water we're drinking. They don't ask about um, food, stress. Maybe they ask about stress a little bit. Um, that's probably the most common one that I think they might ask about our lifestyle, if anything. Um, and then the hormones don't work. So you go back to them and they try something more complex and then that doesn't work. So they're like, okay, we need to refer you to a gynae. So then you go to a gynae and then they do surgery and then that doesn't work. So they're like, okay, we need to put you on, on like induced menopause and it goes on and on and on. And it might even result in a hysterectomy. And what happens is that, as Jessica Drummond was explaining, these treatments get more and more and more complex and no one thinks to ask the basics that might be contributing to our symptoms. So I'm going to share some symptoms now and see if any of you guys experience these. Brain fog, constipation, fatigue, difficulty concentrating and memory issues so chances are like many of you have those symptoms with endometriosis right like we know brain fog and fatigue are really common and they often come with um difficulty concentrating and memory issues things uh, like poor cognitive performance that kind of stuff and constipation is um is also another one that a lot of a lot of people with endo suffer with but these are also symptoms of dehydration and not having enough water. I don't mean like dehydration, like you're walking through a desert, you're deserted, you're seeing like, you know, hallucinations, like you're desperate for water. I just mean everyday dehydration. Like you can get by, but your body is, you know, really struggling. And I think, and in fact, you know, we know from the research and from the guidance out there that we can improve these symptoms, brain fog, constipation, fatigue, difficulty concentrating, memory issues, with making sure we're drinking enough water. And I think I think we're missing something here. I think because often we're being told that there's nothing we can do, we believe that we have very little control and no one is taking a close look at the foundations of our health. And we wouldn't think to do that because why would we think that how much water we drink is affecting our endometriosis? But when you think about these overlapping symptoms, of course, of course they are. And whilst water is a vital life source for all of us, it's also particularly beneficial for those of us with endometriosis. Just a reminder that this episode is sponsored by BU. These natural patches last for 12 hours, so they bring you prolonged relief and can begin working on relaxing your muscles before the pain kicks in, so you're prepared even if your period comes during the middle of the day. Some people even find that wearing them a night before their period can really help soothe the inflammation in the area. To shop, just head to the link in my show notes. This episode is also sponsored by my free guide, managing endometriosis naturally. If you don't know where to start with beginning to take a holistic approach to managing your endometriosis symptoms, then this might help you. Um, If you'd like to download it, just head to the show notes and follow the link and you can get your free copy.
So we know that with endometriosis, uh, in many cases, its growth is accelerated by estrogen. Now, that's not always the case. There was a recent study done in 2019, or was it 2018? One of the two. This study showed that actually some cells had estrogen receptors, some cells had progesterone receptors, some had neither, some had both. So that might explain why progesterone hormones don't work for everyone. But there is like a really large body of evidence that does show that in many cases, people with endometriosis, um, the endometriosis growth is driven by estrogen. And not only is it driven by estrogen, but it's also making its own estrogen. And our body, additionally, um, people with endometriosis have problems with detoxifying estrogen. So they have these biological differences that means that we're not metabolizing estrogen properly we're not using it up and getting it out of our system properly and so we want to support that we want to make sure that our hormones both progesterone and estrogen are correctly balanced we don't want to be creating a you know a buildup of estrogen which will result in potential growth and also just symptoms that you you don't want estrogen dominance can result in you know cysts fibroids breast cysts breast cancer it you know it's having healthy estrogen levels is really important so this isn't just about endometriosis it's about our health overall now estrogen is metabolized through our gut and our liver and it's excreted through our urine and our stools predominantly um and if we're suffering with constipation what will happen is the old estrogen the excess estrogen that we're trying to get rid of or the xenoestrogen so the estrogens that are coming in from the environment that are harmful will get reabsorbed into the body into the bloodstream through the gi tract because it's not getting out quick enough that's reabsorbed and used again and ends up resulting in a case of estrogen dominance. So we want to make sure that we're having healthy bowel movements and being properly hydrated supports the formation of healthy, easily passed stools. On top of that, most of us are already dealing with IBS-like issues such as constipation, bloating, gas. So if we're not able to have proper bowel movements daily then that's just going to result in more of that it's going to result in more stomach upset and it could even lead to something like SIBO which is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth which is very common in people with endometriosis and um, I really want to do an episode on that in the future but it causes things like abdominal pain bloating um, constipation or diarrhea and it's it's very difficult to treat, not impossible, but difficult to treat and can be really uncomfortable. Um, and being constipated um, can can cause SIBO or at least at least be a risk factor for it. So we have two things there. You're already suffering with IBS issues. So not having enough water is going to add to that. And it's likely that you potentially already have estrogen dominance going on. Your your endo is creating more estrogen. 
your body is not as strong at detoxifying estrogen, getting out of the system. And then on top of that, you've added constipation. So you want to make sure that you're getting in in that water. If you're not sure if your bowel movements are normal, there's a, there's a chart called the Bristol Stool Chart or Bristol Stool Chart. And this chart shows you different types of stools. And four is the ideal stool type. So it should be basically long and snake-like. If you have anything that is hard, difficult to pass, you're, you're leaning on leaning towards constipation. So uh, types one, two, and three are leaning towards constipation. And it is likely that you're not hydrated enough or you're not having enough fiber. Ideally, you should be having two to three Bristol type four bowel movements a day. And you can check your gut health by looking at the chart. I'm going to link to that in the show notes. Um, and another way to check if you're dehydrated is by looking at your urine color. So your urine should be very pale, really pale yellow. Now there's also a chart that you can use to see where you are on that on that um, range of color of urine. If you are, you know, a bright yellow, dark yellow, just a strong yellow, you need more water. It really should be very pale and very clear. So I'm going to link to that in the show notes as well. And urine is also really important because our hormones, our old and excess hormones and toxins, toxins that could be affecting our endometriosis, that could be worsening it or worsening the symptoms or making us feel unwell are eliminated also through the urine. So it's really important that we're getting in enough water to flush out all of those toxins and everything that our body no longer needs. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, more water is going to result in, or just being properly hydrated, it's going to result in having more energy and better cognitive function. It's going to reduce the symptoms of fatigue, reduce the symptoms of memory loss, brain fog, lack of like focus. Because guys, your body is made of water. Your cells need water. Your brain needs water to function because that's partly what it's made up of. So how much water should you be drinking? So there are like quite a few calculations, which for some reason seem unnecessarily complicated, but I'm I'm not one for maths, so maybe they're not. Um, but the easiest one is to take your weight in pounds, divide it in half, and then drink that number in ounces of water per day. So for example, if you weighed 150 pounds, you would drink 75 ounces of water a day. And if you exercise frequently or you're breastfeeding or you're unwell, like it's, you know, or you're just a very active person, um, you'll need more water. So there's a calculator that um, you can kind of put in all of your different details and it will help you to calculate how much water you should be drinking. So this is a simple change to make. I told you it's a, it's a very simple um yeah, a piece of advice that I'm giving you today, but it's not necessarily easy to do. Many people struggle with getting in enough water. Um, so if you listen to this episode and you do your calculations or you know that you're struggling with constipation or you have really dark yellow urine or just yellow urine um, and you need to up your intake, 
then some of the tips that I share with my clients are to set several reminders, set like several alarms or reminders in your phone throughout the day and to go and fill up your water bottle or your glass or just to, to just to drink it. Um, I wouldn't set them and just down it because that can upset our digestion. So it's much better to sip slowly throughout the day. So just have those reminders to fill up your glass again or have that reminder to be like, by 11 o'clock, I would have drunk X amount of water. Um, you could add drinking water into pre-existent habits. And actually, this is one of the most effective ways to change behavior. So you could drink a glass of water before you get in the shower. So if you get up at six and you get in the shower at seven, you could be drinking water throughout that hour, like be sipping on a glass. You could, you know, when you get into the office in the mornings, drink a glass of water once you get in, as soon as you get to your desk, before you sit down, you go and grab a glass of water. Um, another obvious but really helpful tip is to carry a big bottle of water around with you. And the incentive of that is that your bag will get lighter as you drink it. I take water with me everywhere. I have done for years and it's such a pain because it's heavy. But the more I drink, the lighter it gets. So that's that's your incentive. And the weight will remind you to drink it. Um, also start drinking herbal teas. Dandelion tea is a great tea. It's, it doesn't taste wonderful. So I usually add peppermint to it, but dandelion tea is a great tea for helping your body to detoxify, um, and, you know, supporting your liver to get rid of that estrogen and any old hormones and toxins. Um, ginger tea is a great one for pain relief, for feeling sick, um, peppermint is a great one for bloating. Nettle tea is another detoxifier. Rosemary tea is really good for um, boosting brain function. Um, so you can try herbal teas or you could add herbs and berries to your water to encourage you to drink. So if you are drinking tea, coffee, fizzy drinks, they don't actually count. It has to, you know, it has to be water. Um, so it, it might include like very diluted juices or something, but tea and coffee dehydrate you because they have caffeine in and most, um, most fizzy drinks have caffeine in as well. Um, and fizzy drinks contain a lot of sugar, which is just going to heighten inflammation and therefore pain. Um, so you want to be focused on water here. And if you're used to flavored water, or fizzy drinks, you could start with sparkling water and put some strawberries and mint in there. Um, if you are fine with still water, which can actually be gentler on your bladder, if you've got IC, be careful with the carbonated water. Yeah, you can add cucumber, raspberries, blueberries, blackberries, just experiment, even, you know, strawberry and basil, just experiment with different low sugar fruits. Uh, you could even add some rose water. Be careful with citrus fruits. If you have bladder pain, citrus, citrus fruits are known to trigger that. So just be mindful of that. Um, and you could even get an accountability buddy. So you and your friend can commit to each other that you are both going to drink a certain amount of water a day and you text each other after you hit your goal or you text each other after every glass. Um, 
find out what works for you, what respond, like what you respond well to, even if it's putting it in your diary, like creating an event, (laughs) whatever works just to get that water in. And if you find that, um, you know, you, you are eating enough fiber and you're drinking enough water, constipation can also be related to endometriosis or pelvic floor dysfunction. So it might be an obstruction, you know, perhaps there's endometriosis on your bowel um, or your pelvic floor is is really tense or distorted um, from adhesions and that's affecting your motility. So if you are getting enough fiber and water, I would definitely suggest that you go and seek support from a doctor um, or a specialist. So that's it for this week. Um, if you want to kind of go one step further and get support with this Um, with adding in more water or you have any questions um, this is actually the first challenge from my endometriosis challenge on Facebook Um, so you can come along and join that and let us know how much water you're intending to drink and yeah there's a whole group in there who are ready to support you and um, help you make these changes but even if you you know you don't want to join that's absolutely fine when I started writing these challenges I was like this is really important stuff that is simple but it's actually quite hard to implement and a lot of us don't realize can have an effect on endometriosis so I wanted to share that with you today um dm me on instagram if you have any questions or if you notice that you're feeling better from having water, that's been feedback in the group. A lot of people are feeling much better when they're having water. They're feeling more energized. They're feeling more alert. Their brain fog is um, reducing. So if you start this, let me know how you get on. I would love to hear from you. And if you want a bit more support, you want to go a step further, um, my endometriosis coaching program has started, but I still have two spaces. So if you want some support, it doesn't matter when you join, um, you can still reach out to me and inquire about the coaching program. So I will put the link to the coaching program in the show notes, but also you can just email me um, on hello at thisendolife.com. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope it gave you something to think about and I hope that it helps you to improve some of those symptoms. If you want to find out more about what I do or read more on endometriosis and living well with it, um, you can head to my Instagram page, which is this underscore endolife. Um, You can head to my website, which is www.thisendolife.com and you can also get um, a free guide to managing endometriosis naturally on my website Um, I've put the link in my show notes it's a beginner's guide to getting started and all of the areas that I um, have worked on to help reduce my endometriosis symptoms and pain and live well with endometriosis as always if you like this show please rate review and or subscribe really truly does help others to hear the podcast and hopefully will help them to live better with endometriosis this episode was produced by the pod farm whether you're an established podcaster or just getting started visit thepodfarm.com to see how they can help you go from an idea to a finished show that's ready to be heard by the world